Wretched Radio begins in 3, 2, 1. To convince a child to keep walking, try switching roles with them. Let the child play the role of the parent. They'll immediately do what you want them to do. You are raising in your home people that the Bible is very clear about their status. They need to be converted. Not just a conformity of their behavior. They need a transforming encounter with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the ultimate priority. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Hey, want to break some bread? This is Wretched Radio. Breaking Bread is our brand new series here at Wretched. I have the privilege of sitting down with really smart guys to discuss big subjects over a meal. That means you get to see us handle our utensils, make chewing noises, see stuff Stuck in our teeth, Friel, it sounds delightful. Well, we hope that it is. Our first Breaking Bread featured Phil Johnson of Grace to You. Sat down with him to discuss. Click the button now. I've got 10 issues, items, trends that I believe could be a threat to the local church. Okay, I'm going to list these. You tell me if, first of all, you agree it's a threat. And then to what degree? You scale it 1 to 10, how big of a threat is this? All right? Number one, COVID. Uh, I would say the response to COVID is more of a threat than the virus itself. Okay? (laughs) I I wasn't talking about, like, the whole church dying. Right. Okay. Okay. All right. So, So I would say COVID as a threat, the virus... It's probably twice as much of a threat as the annual flu, but in the response to COVID and the fear that has been drummed up and all of the restrictions that have been put on the church and the way it has, and this is the worst part, the way it has actually divided Christians, something I didn't see coming. I never would have thought that something like COVID would cause more angry division in the church than any doctrine in the past hundred years. Wow. Uh, So I would say as a threat to the church, it's up there at least an eight and a half, maybe a nine. Yeah, I think so too, because you you rightly framed it. It's it's not the illness itself. It's how people are reacting to it. And just as opinionated as we are individually, we bring that collectively. And then the, uh, the response do you mask? Don't you mask? Social distance. When do you open? Worship outside. All of those things. I, I, I. But I think though it's a part of. Sorry for this, a demonic trend. No, I agree. The division card is just being played as, so well. As the culture gets darker, things like that become more and more divisive. I, I think if we had faced. Something like the COVID crisis in the mid-70s, it wouldn't have had that kind of impact on the church. But the church now conditioned as it has been for 40 years to follow the trends of culture and imitate uh, whatever is popular in pop culture. Uh, it it has driven a wedge of division into the church that honestly I didn't see coming. No. Uh, and I don't think it's it, that everything about it is negative. I, I think... If you if you look at the response of churches, those that just shut down, some of them shut down completely. Some of them just went to online services and some of them. Now, here we are, as you and I record this, what, 18, 19 months into the after they started the quarantine and many churches still haven't opened up. Right. 
And those who don't think that congregational worship is, is important enough that they would put it on hold for 19 months uh, over a, a virus that poses this level of threat, I think it's probably a good thing. Thank you. That looks great. I think yes. it's probably a good thing that some of them are closed. Beautiful. Just going to pray for that. Sure. You'll have to join our prayer online if you'd like to. Phil Johnson discussing issues du jour, which are also issues of the day, specifically threats to the local church. Phil's concern, obviously, is not so much the COVID, but the COVID response and the division that it has wrought. Indeed. Push the button now. Initially, because Grace Community Church was probably the most visible responder because of your size and impact. But there were other start to there there were uh, there were other churches that responded differently. And I think initially we all agreed, hey, there's got to be liberty here for different churches and different states, different congregations, demographics, that there's there's different responses. All right. So we'll just talk about in the beginning. That alone caused division because people inside of a church, the elders got together and they said, okay, so let's say Grace Community Church is here, but these folks decided, well, we're going to just do it a little bit differently. That's caused division. It did. That's all it has taken to cause division. How do we explain our, our ability to so quickly divide over how the elders are deciding to keep everybody safe? Right. What does that what does that indicate? Right. Uh, I I don't know because there have been more obvious threats to the health and and spiritual health of the church uh, from on the area of doctrine doctrines that have been under assault as you know over the as long as I've known you for twenty years we've been dealing with um, doctrinal threats and th- threats that come from uh, bad views of, you know, ministry philosophy, pragmatic churches, seeker sensitive stuff. Stop. You're getting ahead on my okay. list. But I was just going to say, none of that stuff has <laughs> caused the sort of immediate division that came with the COVID crisis, right. which is odd and upside down because this, how you respond to the COVID crisis, especially right at the beginning when no one really knew how serious this virus might be, uh, that that seems to me that there was some there should have been some latitude in in uh, how we viewed what others did you know give liberty to larger churches smaller churches you wouldn't expect them all to respond the same our church live streamed john macarthur continued preaching from the pulpit of our church empty building yeah almost empty i was there i kept coming uh, yeah, nobody knew it at the time. That's right. But I had a friend who uh, moved his congregation to the parking lot and preached out of the back of his pickup truck. Mm-hmm. Good for him. But I don't think it's fair if he becomes then critical of others who live streamed or responded differently. Yeah, the, 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 the sniping was so surprising because you're right. I mean, just think of all of the trends and all the fads and all of the theological assaults. Nothing like this. I think, you know, maybe a part of it is the seedbed that we've created of a lack of commitment to a local church. 
right. that, that I don't love my local church. For me to leave this place, it's going to take an A-bomb. Yeah. It only took COVID. That's one surprising thing about the whole issue was the number of Christians, and particularly younger Christians, I think, are more prone to this, it seems to me, than in older generations who don't have enough attachment to the church that they even missed it. You know, mm-hmm. they were like, well, we can live stream forever. Then this is church. Thank you. Not realizing that in, in the idea of the church, in the very name, it comes from a Greek word that speaks of called out ones called out to congregate. This is the congregation of the Lord. And you're not a congregation if you don't congregate. Right. So um, something's missing. If the church doesn't gather, and there have been places, there have been times in church history where churches have suspended their worship for a week or two for quarantines. And, and in the beginning, that's what this looked like. You know, they were talking about 15 days to flatten the curve, 15 days to stop the spread. And uh, I remember our elders met on the Thursday night before the California quarantine officially went into effect on Friday the next day. And we discussed this and said, can we close the church? And if so, for how long? Mm -hmm. And uh, we said, look, we don't know the gravity of this yet. They were at the time showing videos of uh, like a mortuary in New York City that had stacked bodies like cordwood. And it looked scary. And there were people dying in the streets in China, supposedly. And all this doomsday predictions were coming through. But we said, look, okay, we're willing to you know, self-quarantine or whatever for two or three weeks. Let's see how long this goes. It can't go much longer than this was late March. Uh, They have to reopen things by the end of April. And when that didn't happen, people just spontaneously began to come back to Grace Church. And by word of mouth, it got around. The security guards weren't turning people away from our parking lot. And people just began to come. Uh, and the church was beginning to fill up already by mid-June. Um, and it just happened spontaneously because our people know you, we need each other. We need the fellowship. We need the face-to-face um, fellowship that comes with, with gathering weekly to, to worship God and, and celebrate the resurrection. And people understood that intuitively. But I think there are a lot of people who profess to be Christians who don't seem to have the sense of need for that sort of face-to-face fellowship. And that is why COVID and the response has been a threat to the local church. However, Phil Johnson and I didn't stop there while we were breaking bread. There were 10 subjects that I believe are coming your way. If they have not arrived yet, they are going to be soon. You will hear the thoughts, the musings of Phil Johnson as he responds to my list of the top 10 potential assaults on the local church. Breaking Bread, it's the new series. You want to watch the whole shebang, you can do that at the YouTube machine. Just type in Wretched Breaking Bread. You will find it and we'll continue Breaking Bread with Phil Johnson next on Wretched Radio. So there you are on your Googler machine trying to find a restaurant. What do you look for? Ratings and reviews. If it gets lots of stars, positive reviews, chances are pretty good you're going to go there. Question, would you be inclined to go to a restaurant that had a 98% approval rating and rave reviews? I suspect you would. 
MediShare Affordable Biblical Health Sharing has a 98% approval rating. 400,000 members strong sharing one another's health care bills, saving billions of dollars over the years, saving families on average $500 a month. And 98% of the members of MediShare give it a hearty thumbs up. I encourage you to call them and see if MediShare is right for you and your family. 1-844-34-BIBLE. 1-844-34-BIBLE for MediShare. Well, hello there. Thanks for stopping by to Wretched Radio. Okay, that sounded a little creepy, but regardless, thank you for tuning in to Wretched Radio today. We do appreciate you listening to the radio program every single day, and we also want to point you in the direction of Wretched TV. That's right, a 30-minute program hosted by Todd each and every day. Contains live witnessing encounters, discussions of tough theological issues, and various topics in the Christian community. You can watch those full-length Wretched TV episodes right now, available to you at wretched.org slash TV. That's wretched.org slash TV. Also, Wretched is available on Roku, Amazon Prime, Truly, and Amazon Fire TV. You know, it's only because of our gospel partners that we can make Wretched TV available to everyone. So if you're not a gospel partner, would you please consider becoming one? You can get all the details on that at wretched.org slash donate and help us to continue to make Wretched available to everybody. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. This is our dear brother Max in Ukraine who's been a Tomorrow Club leader now for almost 20 years giving us a picture of what is going on currently in Ukraine specifically regarding the activity of the Tomorrow Clubs. Normally kids clubs where they meet every week to hear the gospel but right now those tomorrow club leaders are spending their efforts simply trying to minister to people who are in danger or who have nothing and our tomorrow club leaders in the west are trying to to meet the needs of those families we had to escape serving them it's a good opportunity to show christ to them in this time of trial There are many who need the bare necessities of life. Tomorrow Clubs is trying to serve them in that regard. Would you please consider what you might do for Ukrainian believers at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Important dates in Christian history. Henry VIII's act of supremacy makes the king, not the pope, head of the Church of England. While Henry's concerns were largely political, his archbishop, Thomas Cranmer, worked to mold the Anglican Church into a thoroughly Protestant church. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Breaking bread with Phil Johnson. This is Wretched Radio, a new series. We are producing many Breaking Bread episodes, our inaugural edition is phil johnson sat down you'll hear from the clatter to actually have a meal with him and discuss what i believe are the top 10 assaults or potential assaults against the local church we have arrived at number two i want to move into my second concern because they're they're kind of intertwined here as a threat to the local church I would see now we're, we're getting entering into a potential new level here. So it was the mandate to close down the church, mandate to mask. Now it could be a mandate to vaccinate. 
which I think it will be. Yeah, which I think takes this now to a whole nother level. How big of a threat do you think if the government mandates vaccines that this will be to the local church? The danger to the church is the idea that we we uh, cede to the government uh, some authority over the church to tell us uh, to, to govern the circumstances and style and timing and number of people in our worship services. Jesus said, render to Caesar that which is Caesar's and render to God that which is God's. And, and I think giving Caesar control over questions like, uh, you know, what you should wear when you worship the mask or you have to be vaccinated to gather, those sorts of things. To, to uh, allow Caesar to put the burden of enforcement on that, on the church, is to yield to Caesar what belongs to Christ. Christ is the head of the church, not the government. All right. Let's play that out a little bit, because I think these times demand we get this sorted. Because on the one hand, of course, you've got Romans 13, you've got 1 Peter 2, you've got Titus 3.1. Submit to the government. And yet, like you rightly stated, there are realms of authority. There's church, family, and state. The state, so if if the government commands us to sin, we obey God. If the government forbids us from keeping a command, we obey God. But when we get into the issue of the, ch- the state getting involved in the church, in one sense, they do. Because I've been to Grace Community Church, and I've looked above the doors, and you've got exit signs. And you've perhaps got capacity in the buildings. So you're submitting to the government in the church, but there's the spiritual component, how we worship. Right. And some people maybe would say, when we worship, some of this is going to get a little fuzzy. But I think without understanding the correct, like, where is the realm of authority? Where does it end? So this is my this is my principle, and you tell me if you think this is right. That the state, in general, can tell us what to do about physical stuff, number of parking spaces, plumbing, what have you. So they do ha- they they can engage in our realm because that's a physical need. But at the second it becomes spiritual or worship, sorry, we make right. biblical decisions. Is that a good? Yes, I would say it like this. The minute it, it changes uh, what you do in worship, how you can worship, uh, or the the terms and circumstances of your I, I, worship. I'm including that. Yeah. Then then I, that's when Caesar has overstepped his bounds. Okay. Uh, so I think, you know, we are obliged to, to uh, live peaceably with as many as we can. And that includes Caesar. So we go along with <laughs> things like fire codes and all that, which are... They do impose, you know, as you said, room capacity. So that that would impose a limit on the number of people who can gather. Right. But it's not sort of a permanent limit. I mean, if you outgrow your building, you build a bigger building. And, right. and if the government tried to say, uh, no, you can't, you can't build a building to uh, to allow three thousand people to worship. You have to limit it to 500, no more than sure. 500. And that's a permanent limitation on all churches. Right. That would be, that would be an overstepping of the bounds. All right. Helpful. Indeed, he always is. Phil Johnson breaking bread, talking about the potential assaults against the church. We segued from COVID to the jab to 
masks. The problem with there's several problems with the masks, but uh, if you require a mask or segregate people based on whether they're masked or unmasked, you're you're causing a division in the church. Um, I wrote an article on this, by the way. It's it's at my old blog, which I rarely contribute to anymore. Oh, right yeah. uh, uh, about masks and uh, surprised at the number of places in scripture where uh, it does talk about seeing you face to face, greet one another with a holy kiss. Uh, we sing praises to God, you know, w- with with our open mouths, and it's uh, it, it, even all the way back in the Book of Psalms. Remarkable how many times scripture describes, you know, the throat and the tongue and uh, to put a mask over your face when you're singing praises to God, to me, seems like an unwarranted limitation, unless there's an absolute reason why you need to do this. Uh, The science aside, let's say that this were bubonic plague days where people literally are falling dead around us. Would you say, okay, we'll put it on. But would it be in obedience to Caesar or would it be in obedience to just being smart? Um, Well, you'd have to ask the question. The masks that we're wearing right now wouldn't be sufficient to stop any kind of viral disease. That's the problem. It's it's show business. It's uh, it's a kind of virtue signaling that I think I think the church really ought to resist rather than than mollycoddle but as you say there are people who genuinely believe this is this is necessary to show love to my neighbors and all that i'm not going to get in a fight or an argument with them but i just think the church shouldn't be making rules about that and if there was some demonstrable benefit to you know making everybody mask up then okay suppose there's a uh a leak of sarin gas in the church yeah, put gas masks on everybody. Sure. But that's not our normal mode of worship, and I, and I don't want to see it become that. All right. So, in summary, which is kind of hard with this issue, we're submitting to the government. We understand realms of authority. When the government encroaches on a spiritual or worship aspect of the church, we have biblical grounds to say, sorry, we obey the Lord in this. And the outworking, I think on some of the finer intricacies of it, we look at another church and go, you know, I don't think I would have done that. But unless, of course, we're mandating something that causes division. I've seen some churches still. You can't come in unless you're vaccinated. Yeah, that's that's kind of shocking to me. Yeah, it is. It is. And uh, there are other churches that have separate sections for the vaccinated. Oh, nice. Yeah. So. It's like uh, instead of the cry room now, if you're unmasked, you go behind the glass. Wow. So, um, yeah, I mean, it seems to me there is an obvious danger of segregating people like that, according to their preferences and so on. (laughs) Like the book of First Corinthians. Exactly. And (laughs) and it isn't as if the church never saw viruses prior to COVID. We've always had viruses. And some of them are more dangerous than others. This is a particularly dangerous one. And um, for some people, for some people, they shake it off in two days. No big deal. Uh, it, it's not as it, it's not like the it's not comparable to the bubonic plague. It's not, you know, killing 90 percent of the people that get it. Uh, it's a it's a virus that 
more like 99% of the people recover from. Uh, so to make such radical divisions in the church over it uh, seems to me to be a gross overreaction. Right. So you're giving it about an eight and a half, our understanding of government and how we submit and yes. realms of authority. There's a lot of questions that have come up that really need to be sorted out and agreed on by us as Christians. I, I, I see that as being a potential divider for yes. us. Um, that uh, I, I have a difference of opinion on Romans 13 than you and vice versa. And I guess it could get to the level where it's like, this is a theological thing, maybe, but I, I can't even envision that, that we would divide over our yeah, understanding it of the subject. It shouldn't divide us. You know, no. if, uh, if the church down the street, you know, more people wear masks than they do at our church, I don't care. Right. That's their preference and their business. And if we're going to say that's a matter of conscience, whether you wear it or not, then let it be that. Don't don't, you know, yeah. provoke division. Over yeah, I, I just I, I fear that there's been just a ton of division, though, because we just don't talk these things through or sort them out in any depth, including perhaps in many local churches, because I, I think I just you can kind of see the storm clouds gathering. That's a problem in culture as a whole, and not just with this oh, yeah. issue. You <laughs> right. know, we don't discuss or debate issues anymore. You, you cancel people who disagree with you. Phil, that's on my list. Okay. <laughs> Would you stop this and just stick with the subject right. matter? <laughs> Even you'd like to hear the other potential threats against the local church, the entire meal with Phil Johnson. It's called Breaking Bread. You can find it at the YouTube page. Just search for Wretched, Breaking Bread. You will find the entire meal, after which we flossed immediately. This is Wretched Radio. This is Wretched Radio, and I'm Jimmy Hicks. And today, we're covering the same thing everyone else is covering. And that's the leaked draft opinion from Supreme Court Justice Samuel Alito that came to light last night. The draft leak was obtained by Politico, and it clearly reads that the Supreme Court is prepared to strike down Roe v. Wade at some point this year. Judge Alito is clear as he writes, quote, Roe was egregiously wrong from the start. Its reasoning was exceptionally weak, and the decision has had damaging consequences. It is time to heed the Constitution and return the issue of abortion to the people's representatives. This is what the Constitution and the rule of law demand. At the moment, 13 states have trigger laws on the books that would immediately ban all abortion should Roe be overturned. And the news of the leak has caused a flurry of reactions, riots, and rage from the left. Senator Bernie Sanders immediately called on Democratic leaders to eliminate the requirement for major legislation to reach a supermajority in order for it to pass. And he said, quote, Congress must pass legislation that codifies Roe v. Wade as the law of the land in this country. Though the president's reaction was to say that Roe has been the law of the land for nearly 50 years and, quote, the stability of our law demands that it not be overturned. And I find great interest in those remarks. First, Roe v. Wade is not the law of the land. In the other half of the president's statement, the stability of our law requires it not be overturned. 
I don't think he really means that. I mean, how many things have his executive orders overturned since he took office? And this administration is actively attempting to overturn free speech, basic human biology, and common morality toward children every single day. So I'm pretty sure the president didn't actually mean what he said. So where does that leave us? What now? Well, the leak was only a draft, and Roe vs. Wade still stands at this moment. According to Politico, someone familiar with the court's deliberations has said that four other justices voted in agreement with Justice Alito's opinion back in February. Do those opinions still stand today, three months later? It's likely, but certainly unknown. In the meantime, you can count on long-shot efforts by the left to codify Roe before a decision is handed down. You can also count on abortion rights groups to continue making noise. You can count on abortion activists to continue protesting and likely even rioting. And you can count on abortion-friendly states to propose and pass even more pro-abortion laws. But as for us, as Christians, we need to remember the sovereignty of God is always at play. Not in some things, but in all things. So if Roe doesn't get overturned, God is still on his throne and he is still holding all things together. Let us all continue to fervently pray over this decision until it is officially announced. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Books of the Bible Nahum, whose name means the Lord comforts, brought a message of comfort to God's people and a prophecy against Nineveh. Nineveh was a powerful city, but they were no match for God. He punished them severely for their wickedness. When you see evil or are tempted towards evil, remember that there are only two possible outcomes, repentance or destruction. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Prepare to play. You be the judge. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Order in the court. This is Wretched Radio preparing to play one of America's fastest growing game sensations. Which one of these articles has the greatest implications for you? your family, your local church, perhaps your nation. As always, representing the tens and tens of people listening to this year Wretched Radio program, although that number, a little dubious, our very own Jimmy Hicks. Sir, are you prepared for your most earnest responsibility? I am. Prepare for story number one. Do you have any concerns, questions, confusion about what you're judging? Well, no, no, not from... All righty. I don't think so. Which one has the most implications, starting with mommies who mushroom? These women aren't gardening. They are not hunting for truffles. These are mommies who use mushrooms, which is some sort of psychedelic drug that apparently more mommies are utilizing. Uh, This is from Harper Bazaar. I'll say Harper's Bazaar. Having recently begun to microdose with psychedelics two or three times a week every few months, in the past, they've taken higher doses than they've needed to work through something bigger, like a communication issue. It's a practice, they say, has completely transformed their relationships while radically improving their parenting. That's right. Mushrooms are good for you, say some mommies who mushroom. Take a psychedelic and you'll be a better parent. Well, maybe you won't be as stressed, which is perhaps the most overused word right now, maybe ever. 
These are mommies who use psychedelics to just thinking that they're better parents. This is a time of psychedelic renaissance, of mushroom mania. It's a time when people are increasingly turning to psychedelics, not for recreation, but for healing. And many of them are parents using it for mental health. While parenthood is often billed as the ultimate blissed-out euphoria, for many, it's where the hemorrhaging of happiness happens. Boy, that's some alliteration. It's a sleep-deprived, tedious, anxiety-riddled road, recently made all the more difficult by the pandemic, worn down by the melees of modern parenting, burdened by the traumas they've inherited from their parents, or disillusioned with a mental health care system that has failed them, some parents have found an answer in psychedelic substances. Wait, Jimmy, maybe just for yucks. Imagine growing up with Mama Hicks <laughs> doing mushrooms. No, I can't. I can't. That's 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 the most ridiculous thing ever. Well, it, I well, see, it would win the most ridiculous thing ever. Right. But what are the implications for this? From the article, study published in the Journal of Nervous and Mental Disease reported that when LSD was used in psychotherapy sessions, people who had been diagnosed with a life-threatening illness experienced decreased feelings of anxiety. So we're using now psychedelics and LSD, which I guess is a psychedelic, to help people not feel so anxious. Hey, here's an option for you. Try God. Anxious? Run to your strong tower. Rather exhausted? Run to the one who has infinite strength and power available to you. Rather than running to psychedelics or, frankly, most of the time, psychotropics, we should be running to the Lord. That is what he desires. And that is what almost every time he is doing when you are going through something that is stressful. He's squeezing you so that you can see what comes out of you. And if you run to a psychedelic LSD, a bottle of booze, a vacation, a piece of furniture, whatever it is that makes you go, ah, I feel better now, then you're you're not running to the one who actually can make you feel better always. Those idols will disappoint every single time. Many of the parents I spoke to for this story told me they stopped drinking once they began using psychedelics. So, Jimmy, that's a positive right there. That's Alcohol a, consumption down. Yeah. I mean, I guess, <laughs> I guess psychedelics are better than alcohol. <laughs> no, they're not. <laughs> Former, this is story number two, former female Christian school teacher will serve no jail time for an intimate relationship with a female student. It was a plea agreement suspended four consecutive 12-month terms. In 2017, the teacher was 25, the student 16. We're not going to send you to jail for that because, hey, we understand. Got to tell you, this the issue of law and order these days and justice, isn't it funny? We're talking so much about justice these days, and yet so often, not always, so often our court system lets us down. Story number three, Jimmy. You ready? I am. Meditation Barbie. That's right. You can do yoga. 
with Barbie. There's a figurine called Breathe With Me Barbie, where you can do the mindfulness led by a toy. That would be story number three, teaching the kids about the mindfulness, about the Hinduism, about the yoga and the meditation and the breathing. Story number four, are there implications to a new report on, sorry to report this, the Rabbi Zacharias issue? A new report commissioned to dissect the internal culture and practices at Rabbi Zacharias International Ministries has found that the organization's leaders were so full of admiration for their founder that they could not confront him regarding his behavior. Wow. I wonder what that's like. (laughs) Heaven. People admire you. This was commissioned by Guidepost Solutions, found that the ministry funds were allegedly used to sue an abuse survivor and mislead the public. It is alleged that Zacharias traveled with a female masseuse, and while this raised eyebrows among some staff, hmm, anyone who questioned Zacharias was sent to Siberia, sidelined, marginalized. Let's just call it canceled, shall we? A separate inf- investigation confirmed Mr. Zacharias engaged in sexting, unwanted touching, spiritual abuse, and rape. It is uncertain as to what sort of future RZIM has. Well, with without the RZ, I, I don't know either. But that is story number four, Jimmy. A ministry hmm. that was trusted for so long, apparently, internally was not dealing with some issues that they should have been dealing. I think there's implications in that. I do too. People trusting other ministries. I you can't blame them, frankly. Story number five. Ah, you're not going to like this one. South Carolina Governor McMaster signs bill protecting churches from forced closure during pandemics. You say, that sounds good. I say, sometimes the devil is in the details. This is House Bill 3105, signed into law on Monday, which states the government may not limit the ability of a religious organization to continue operating and to engage in religious services during a state of emergency to a greater extent than its limits operations or services of other organizations or businesses that provide essential service. That's the part that made me go, no, that ain't good. That ain't good because if the government, the government determining to shut down businesses, it's what they can do whatever it is that they want to do, I guess, whether it's legal or not, constitutional or not. But the church is different. The church is a different entity. And as we have seen, the government, believe it or not, can be wrong. And when they are, whether they are mandating other businesses along with shutting down the church, when the church itself does not believe it's warranted, then they have stepped over the line of the realm of jurisdiction of the government. This isn't, this isn't a horrible ruling, if you will, but I got to tell you, I think the implications for the future aren't so good because the government can justify shutting down the church by shutting down other businesses. The church belongs to Christ. We are not rebels. We are not revolutionaries. We do not seek to disobey the government, but when they overstep the line into the spiritual matters and worship issues of a church, 
then each local church has the biblical right to say, sorry, no can do. Jimmy, which one of these stories has the biggest implications? Uh, you know, story number one. Mommy Sue Mushroom. That, that I want to lean there, but I, I do think the last one about the uh, churches during pandemics, the wordplay there, I think that could have some pretty big future implications yeah it, it it doesn't fully protect right it it protects us the same as a business but we're not mm. and just because they shut down one does not mean that they have the authority to shut down the other yes i know these situations are more complex than that simple statement but that simple statement stands there's government there's family there's church and we need to be careful that the twain shall ne'er meet this is Wretched Radio. What's the one question you think we get the most here at Wretched? It's, why do you guys do what you do? And we thought the best person to answer that question was you. Wretched Radio has just really brought me closer to God. Wretched has changed my life. Wretched Radio, you all have done a great job at really bringing joy into our lives. Our goals have always been to preach the gospel, to equip people to preach the gospel, and to strengthen the local church. And when we hear testimonies from real people just like you, we are encouraged. My life will never be the same because of you guys. Through your video, God saved me. Wretched Radio, you encouraged me to walk with the Lord. And we know we would never be able to reach millions of people all over the world with the gospel if it weren't for the support of our gospel partners. If you're not a gospel partner, would you prayerfully consider partnering with Wretched to save the lost and reach millions of people with the gospel? Just log on to wretched.org slash donate to get all of the information you could ever want to know about becoming a gospel partner. That's wretched.org slash donate. Be careful. Be very, very careful, my cold-hearted conservative friend, because this just might melt your heart if you are a supporter of preborn.org slash wretched, providing ultrasounds, ultrasound machines, and sonograms. Careful, this might just melt your heart. That sonogram changed my life. I went from just Candace to mom. Thank you to everybody that has given these gifts. You guys are giving more than money. You guys are giving love. You're giving love when you support preborn because a mommy sees a baby in the womb, courtesy of an ultrasound machine, and 80% of the time keeps the baby. $28 an ultrasound, or perhaps you might be of the means to provide an actual ultrasound machine if you can. Oh, they need them and they'll put them to work and it'll show some love. Preborn.org slash wretched. Transformed, our latest production is available now in the Wretched Store or by visiting transformed.org. This show is like nothing else on Christian TV. You'll witness real biblical counseling sessions with real people dealing with real issues like anxiety, OCD, depression, phobias, and trauma. What you won't see is a secular therapy session or even a Christian counseling session which still uses secular psychology. No, you are going to witness the power of the Bible and 
at work right before your eyes. Real people with real problems being offered real solutions. Hosted by Dr. Greg Gifford, Assistant Professor of Biblical Counseling at The Masters University, and Dr. Dale Johnson, the Executive Director of the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors. Transformed, where you'll witness biblical counseling as it takes people from brokenness to wholeness. Visit transformed.org. Revelation. Is the Bible really God's Word, or is it just a collection of human ideas? Here are a few words the Bible uses to describe itself. Perfect, God-breathed, authoritative, without error, the Word of the living God. The Bible is God's inspired and trustworthy Word to humanity, through which He makes Himself known and continues to draw us to Himself. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Welcome to Round Two. You be the judge. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Order in the court. This is Wretched Radio uh, preparing for round two of, oh, this is an exciting game. Which one of these stories has the most implications? It wouldn't fit into a TV guide description, but that's the name of the game. Jimmy, prepare for round number two. Which one of these stories has the biggest implications? Are you prepared, sir? I'm ready. Here we go. Many full-time pastors will soon be part-time. Uh-oh. Declining church income is one reason. The pandemic caused pastors to reevaluate their priorities. Huh? Greater, oh, they're, they're connected to that is number three. They, they want to spend more time with their families. Well, that, 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 that's good. But that doesn't mean you need to go to part-time. Now, granted, these could be bivocational pastors, but that's not what this particular study at a website, My Christian Daily, studying pastors that are leaving the ministry in unprecedented numbers, going from full-time to part-time is the latest trend. Technology and side gigs have made other part-time vocations more accessible. So they can do other things, so they are. Number five, there's a growing trend of hiring part-time staff. Number six, many pastors desire not to be dependent on the church for all of their income. That's a bummer. Pastors no longer want to be at risk of losing all of their income just because an influential member doesn't like them anymore. Jimmy, that is influential story number one. All right. I think this has big implications. I think it has massive implications. implications. Here's another church-related story that might not appear to have a lot of implications, but methinks it does. Headline from, put your glasses on, Todd. Headline from mychristiandaily.com. Church live stream and TV. Should we show a crowded sanctuary? What? We're having these types of debates about what people perceive to be actual church when it's nothing but pixel church. One of the biggest questions I've been asked over the last year is on a church live stream or TV program, whether or not we should show crowds in the sanctuary during a worship service. Huh? In one case, a church showed the congregation, but then received indignant letters from people saying they would never attend the church because it wasn't safe. 
So now the virtual church has to decide, ooh, do we actually show people coming to our church? If a pastor is contemplating this type of thing, I got to tell you, that's some fickle business right there. Man-pleasing, fear of man, low view of ecclesiology, a desire to only do things that will keep people coming and not repel anybody. That's story number two. Story number three, let's go to Ireland, shall we? Non-religious marriages outnumbered Catholic marriages in 2021. Now, this obviously isn't analogous to Protestants and marriage, but it does show an international trend. Getting married does not have to be anything religious. It can be secular. Now, having mentioned that, it, it... Somebody does get married without God involved, they're still married. What constitutes a marriage when two people with witnesses say, I do till death do us part? They have cut a covenant and they are in it for good. And God sees it as an authorized marriage. Having said that, it's not a great trend. 43.3% of couples who had a wedding last year opted for a non-religious ceremony. Catholic marriage ceremonies accounted for 39%. Obviously, the reason they're focusing on Catholic is because it's Ireland. Although, I got to tell you, a buddy of mine sent me a video. And this isn't the type of video that will likely get a whole lot of traction on the TikTok machine. But this is my buddy, Ludi. He's, he's now started a church. He was a missionary in Ireland, and he would have people come over, and they would evangelize in different Irish towns. And he decided to start a church, and he did a little video taking a tour through the church. They're finally opening up. They opened up their church now maybe about a month or so ago. And he did a tour of it, and he said, this is going to be the worship area, and this is where we're going to do classes. And then they showed the video of the first Sunday. And there were people there, and there were people worshiping in Ireland in a Protestant church. But you know, that reminds me, this was the email that I received from Ludi. This will just do your heart good testimony for an Eastern Euro, from an Euro, Euro, Eastern European lady who attended our Resurrection Sunday service. This, this, is, this, is, this is the stuff that should get us excited. Not another dog rescue video. They're good. Don't, don't get me wrong. I love the dog rescue videos. But this is the type of stuff that we should be gobbling up. Good morning. I never liked Easter before. I had some trauma from my early years of life. I obviously never understood the truth about Easter. I couldn't get past the pain I experienced in my heart about Jesus, about Jesus getting killed. The story nearly ended there for me in my heart. But only now I can be full of joy because God revealed to me good news. I am so thankful. Hard to explain. Yesterday was a very different Easter. It was a celebration rather than tears and pain. Thank you. Just be reminded and encouraged despite all of the dopiness that's going on. Jesus is still building his church. You ready for story number three? That was three. I'm ready for sto story four. No, it's not st that's no, that's a, that's a good story. Oh. You want to count that as one with implications that there's a there's a Protestant church now in Ireland? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. We can. I, I guess I misunderstood. That's all right. Hail Satan. 
was the opening invocation at a government meeting. Way cool. The Kenai, this is in, this is south of Anchorage, Kenai Peninsula Borough Assembly. An Alaskan local government meeting became the focus of protest after a member of the Satanic Temple praised Satan in the meeting opening prayer. But wait, what? You let the, that's right, hail Satan. Story number three. He's on the council or she's on the council. That one right there. Story number four, Westminster College. <laughs> this is in Salt Lake City, Utah, which makes this even a little bit more. <sighs> Westminster College not backing down from offering a class on hardcore pornography. Way cool. Unbelievable. Said it won't be canceling an elective class where students will be watching hardcore porn together to study it as an art form. Okay, maybe this, maybe this will help these folks get the problem with their thinking. We're going to show a lot of videos of people being really racist and sexist and misogynistic to just study it, you'd go, wait, whoa, 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 wait a second. What are you doing looking at stuff like that? Yeah, exactly. Did I mention it's in Salt Lake City? Said the subject matter is as American as apple pie. That requires serious contemplation. Hmm. I'm not sure they understand the meaning of, what is it? Chevrolet, American apple pie? How did, what is that list? Uh, it's as American as apple pie, but didn't there used to be a car company that did it something? It was Chevrolet. Like it was Chevrolet. Okay. The website of the accredited and comprehensive liberal arts college says, quote, hardcore porn is as American as apple pie and more popular than Sunday night football. Then <laughs> it's okay, obviously. Our approach to this billion-dollar industry is as both a cultural phenomenon that reflects and reinforces sexual inequalities, but holds the potential to challenge sexual and gender norms, and as an art form that requires serious contemplation. We will watch pornographic films together and discuss the sexualization of race, class, and gender as an exper experimental radical art form. At a university. Come, kids. Watch what would have been shameful just minutes ago. Final story, number six. This report coming in from Westminster College. Oh, sorry, that was Westminster College. This report coming in from ACIS Italia, the Italian chapter of Aid to the Church in Need. Over 400 million Christians live in lands of persecution. 400 million. Jimmy! You be the judge. Which one of these stories is the, what, is, what are we calling this thing? Uh, has the big greatest implication. Right, right. Mm -hmm. I, I'm going to go with number one. Number one again. Yeah. The pastors. Yeah, I think that has huge implications. Yeah, they're not just going to part-time. They're just quitting. Mm. They're just leaving because, well, the, the visible church, which is different than the invisible church, it's definitely shrinking pastors not being able to support their families in a way that doesn't cause all kinds of angst in the home. And so we are seeing pastors just going part-time. Is there a sin in doing so? Absolutely not. But it is, a is it a trend that we should be excited about? 
I don't think so. Until tomorrow, go serve your king. <laughs>